I am very thankful for the young people in our church. I'm thankful that we have a church that, uh, that encourages the kids to sing. And you know, uh, singing in, in, in church is not just a, a stepping stone to a performance in Hollywood at a later time. That's, that's, a, that's a bunch of nonsense. We're, we're here serving the Lord and it's a lifetime. And uh, as these uh, kids grow up, I pray that the Lord keeps them faithful. We need to pray for our young people. Amen. They're going to be the, the future leaders. I remember when uh, we first came to the church, Nathaniel was, well, he was still big, but <laughs> he's playing the piano now. It's a young person that uh, is a blessing to the church as he plays the music. And so uh, uh, praise the Lord for that. I appreciate you guys, your practice and all that. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Now tonight, as we mentioned, is popcorn preaching. So uh, if you're a man in the church and God has put a message in your heart, uh, tonight you'll have a chance to preach. You're going to have four minutes. And you can say a lot of things in, in four minutes. Uh, anytime you have an opportunity to preach the gospel, even if you only have a couple minutes, you want to take advantage of that because you don't get to do it very often. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing. You know, I've, I've been called many times. Uh, uh, my ministry has always been kind of an associate or an assistant, a uh, uh, backup guy. And uh, I've been called on a number of occasions uh, on Sunday morning uh, with a, just a couple hours to go, and I had to get something ready. So the Bible says we need to be instant, in season, and out of season. But you guys, uh, you don't have to be instant. you got five hours. you got a long time. Just... Uh, don't go out to eat, don't sleep, don't take a nap, just go straight home and start studying, and I think the Lord will give you something. And so we're going to look forward to that tonight. All right, Numbers chapter 11, I want you to go down to verse number 10, and uh, we're going to read a few verses here. We're going to read five verses. It says, Now when Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, the anger of the Lord was greatly kindled. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? When should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. Now verse 14 is our text here. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. If thou deal thus with me, Kill me, I pray thee, out of thy hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. The title of the message this morning is, The Burden is Too Heavy. And it comes from that verse where Moses said, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it's too heavy for me. Have you ever been there? We're going we're gonna to see what the Bible has to say about that. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning as we open up your word, Lord, we pray that you might use your word to help us. Lord, help it to give us some insight into the times we have troubles in our lives. 
And Lord, I pray that it'll be used to give us comfort. And I pray that the Holy Spirit might take these words and take this message and use it in the way that only the Holy Spirit can. And perhaps there is a, a person here today or a couple or a family or uh, people that we're not even aware of that's going through a time of trouble. Maybe a, they have a burden on their heart and maybe they feel like, I can't, I can't handle this. I, I don't know if I can make it one more day. Lord, I pray that you might show us some things from your word. And Lord, I pray that it might be a blessing. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So uh, God had seen the affliction of his people, and he chose a man named Moses to lead them out of Egypt and take them into the promised land. Now keep in mind, and we all know, uh, we're all familiar with the story of Moses. Moses didn't volunteer for this position. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't answer any ads in the paper. Uh, he didn't go looking for the job. Uh, he didn't sign up on ZipRecruiter. Uh, here's Moses. He's out in the wilderness. He's tending his flock. He's minding his own business. He's just, he's just doing his job. And then one day, out of the clear blue, uh, God gets his attention. He sees the burning bush, and Moses says, Oh, never seen anything like that. Let me go see what that's all about. God gets his attention, and, and he said, Moses, he said, I've seen the affliction of my people down there in Egypt. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go talk to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And I'm going to use you to bring my people out of Egypt and we're going to get them into the promised land. Well, we know the story. Several rounds of excuse making on Moses' part. And Moses finally agrees and he, he heads off for Egypt. Well, here's the thing. Before those people could get into the promised land, they had to make a little side trip. They had to go through the wilderness. Sounds like fun. Let's go through the wilderness. What's the wilderness? Well, geographically, it's a place of uninhabited, no people. It hasn't been cultivated. It hasn't been disturbed by any human activity. Uh, there's no resources out there. There's no plumbing, there's no water wells, there's no grocery stores, there's no Amazon, there's no internet, there's nothing. It's nothing but a barren wasteland. And that's not all. When you study the wilderness throughout the Bible, you find out there's a lot of other things that happen in the wilderness. The wilderness was the place of temptation. Remember. Remember the battle between Christ and Satan in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of testing and trials. The wilderness is a place of peril. It's a place of wandering. And sometimes the wilderness is even a place of death. So here's Moses. He, he gets down there. He, he takes on the job. And he's only been on the job for maybe just a couple of months when he runs into some big problems. The people are pretty upset. And he finds them crying and weeping and griping and complaining. And even though they, the children of Israel had seen the miracles of God, they had experienced the provision of God. They'd seen the, the Red Sea parted. They saw Pharaoh's army drowned. Uh, they were... They were 
drinking water out of the rock and they were eating the manna from heaven. They weren't happy. They were beginning to complain about the manna. You know, here they had shade by day and they had heat by night, the fire, their clothes were always fresh and, and comfortable, but they just didn't like the food that God had provided for them. They said, we hate this manna. We just hate it. We should have stayed in Egypt. You know, in Egypt, we had fresh fish and we had really great salad bars over there. We had melons and we had cucumbers and we had garlic and we had onions. And, and, uh, and now we have to eat this, this nasty manna. And they said, our soul is dried away. Ooh, crying like a bunch of babies in their tents. And the Bible says that they ate angels' food. Man did eat angels' food. Now, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I love angel food cake. It's my, my son is here this morning. He'll tell you how much I love it. Uh, every year on my birthday, my wife makes the most delicious angel food cake. And it doesn't last the whole day. I love the angel food cake. Um, and I think she's been making that cake every year uh, that we've been married for two years. We've been having, well, we, we'll be married, I think, 43 years in, in December. And every year she's nothing better than angel food cake. You know, the reason I like it the most is because they say you are what you eat. So that must make me an angel. My wife always says I'm always up in the air harping about something. But anyway, you know, I do have a complaint about the angel food cake. I told my wife one time, I said, you know, you don't, you only make it once a year. And she said, that's a lie. She goes, I make it for you Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and 4th of July and any other time you want it. And oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. So quit complaining. But I'll tell you, I love the angel food cake. But here's the thing. Um, the children of Israel had all of their needs provided. God miraculously took care of them. And yet, with all of his provision, they still complained. And so here's Moses in our story, verse number 10. Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Moses is listening to the people as they whine and as they bellyache and as they cry in their tent doors. And, and not only is Moses displeased with their behavior, but he becomes overwhelmed by the whole situation. He's, he's literally unraveling and he's coming to the end of his rope. So he goes to God and look at verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people on me? What's he saying? He says, God, what are you doing to me? Why are you putting this burden on me? What, what am I? Am I some kind of a, a, a nursing father to a bunch of babies? And, and on top of that, where in the world am I supposed to find all that food? And then he says, God, this burden is too great. I, God, I can't handle it. I, I, God, I don't know what to do. And it'd be better if you just kill me. Just kill me. I, I can't do this. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to a, a, a time in your life when you felt like, I, I can't handle this situation. I can't handle this. 
I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the next day. I don't know if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it through the night. You get, you get to a place in your life where you feel like you're, you're just you're going to lose it. Maybe, maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't. I know the feeling. I've been there. Just a few months ago, my wife and I went through that. We had a lot of things that happened in our lives. And you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Christians today who, for whatever reason, have found themselves in the wilderness in a situation just like Moses. It could be that you're at that point right now. Maybe not. Maybe you just came through it, or maybe you're, you're about to go into something like that. But you're facing obstacles that you don't know you can overcome. You're in a situation you feel is too heavy to bear. And you don't know if you're going to make it one more day. There's a lot of scenarios that, that bring us to that point. It could be, it could be something as simple as money. Uh, it could be something uh, as challenging as health. Maybe something you recently heard from the doctor. Maybe it has to do with your, your children or your family or responsibilities at work or, or troubles at home. It could be some kind of temptation that, uh, that's overwhelming you. But everyone here knows exactly what I'm talking about. So what are you going to do? You get to the point and you say, well, the burden is too heavy. I just, I just don't think I can handle it. Now, look, at, look what Moses said in verse 14. He's, he's talking to the Lord and he says, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. This is complete and total despair. That's what he's going through right now. So let me give you some good news. In your complete and total despair, you're not alone. There's a bunch of other people that have gone through the same exact thing you're going through. So you're not in it alone. There are other people that went through it and they came out on the other side. You're not the only one that has to go through this. The greatest Christian that ever lived, the Apostle Paul, got to that point in his Christian life and this is what he said. He said, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. The next verse says, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Here's the Apostle Paul doing exactly what God wanted him to do, and yet he had gotten to a point where he said, I'm going to die. I, he had the despair of death. You know, listen, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings. Sometimes that's the job of the preacher. But this is part of the Christian life. As, as you grow spiritually, as your faith begins to increase and as you begin to grow, and as you make a decision to get closer to the Lord and to know the Lord better and to walk with the Lord, you're going to find out that God is going to put you in situations like this for one reason, and that's to draw you closer to Him and to make you more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes God leads you into the wilderness for a time of testing. And he wants to know some things. First of all, he wants to know if you're going to be obedient. You know, I was reading this week about Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet. That guy really had a rough time. One day God came to Jeremiah and he says, Now, Jeremiah, he says, I want you to go to the court of the Lord's house. Go stand out there in the court. 
And he says, I want you to speak to all the people that are coming here to worship me. And he says, I'm going to give you some words to speak. And he warned Jeremiah and he said this. He said, do not diminish one single word. He says, I'm going to tell you something. But he says, don't you change one letter. You tell him exactly what I'm telling you to tell him. You know, and Jeremiah looked at his notes and he goes, whoa, this is rough. But God said, don't you change a single thing. Well, Jeremiah did exactly what God told him to do. He was, he was obedient to the T. He said every word that God wanted to say. And when he got done, it says this. It came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people. He's done with his sermon. The priests and the prophets and all the people took him saying, Thou shalt surely die. You're going to die for what you just said. We are going to kill you. That would be pretty scary. I'd hate to be finished with this sermon and have a mob come up and grab me and say, we're going to take you out back and lynch you. That's not exactly the thing that I dreamed about for Sunday. <laughs> you know, the preacher's going to get lynched after church. Why? Because he just did what God told him. You know, thank the Lord this morning. I'm not giving you my opinions. I'm just, I'm just sharing with you what the Bible says. And if you don't like it, then you got to take it up with God. I'm just the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. But hopefully this morning, I'm not going to. It'll be nice. It'll be comforting. The pastor's gone. We'll let him do it when he gets back. So here's Jeremiah. He says, wow, Lord. You know, I, I'm, just, I'm just doing what you told me to do. And, and, I, and I spoke the exact words that you told me to speak. And now I'm going to die. Thanks a lot. You know, for a period of time there, Jeremiah really thought that he was going to die a very violent death. And in fact, there were a few times in his life when he, when he almost did. So you might, you might, God might put you in the wilderness to find out if you're going to be obedient. Another reason that you might find yourself out in the wilderness is to find out how you're going to handle temptation. Jesus Christ himself was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for a terrible time of temptation. A face-to-face -face battle with the devil himself. And I doubt that any of us would have withstood that battle. Jesus fought that battle. You know, you might find yourself in the wilderness because... Frankly, because you're in a place where you don't know what to go, where, what to do, where to go, what to do next. You're, you have to make some kind of a decision that's very uncomfortable. And you don't know what the answer is. Hagar was there. The Bible says that Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child. And he sent her away and she departed. And the Bible says that she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Didn't know where to go. Didn't know what to do. You might find yourself in the wilderness because it's your own fault. Maybe God told you to do something and you disobeyed and you sinned and you fell into sin. Children of Israel were there. The Bible says, Your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. So there's a lot of reasons why you might find yourself in the situation. I can't answer that. That's between you and the Lord. But whatever happens, you get to that point and you say, God, I just can't handle this anymore. Just 
kill me. Even if you don't kill me, I might help you. And, that, and, and that's happened. So up to this point, the wilderness doesn't, how many of you are volunteering for the wilderness this morning? Anybody want to volunteer? Careful. You raise your hand, you might. I know of some people in this room who just went through the wilderness, a difficult time of testing. They're here this morning, and the Lord got them through it. Nobody wants to go to the wilderness, but I'm going to tell you something this morning. The wilderness is not always a bad place, and I'm going to give you three reasons why the wilderness is not always a bad place to be. So when you find that the burden is too heavy to bear, then let me give you three things that will help you while you go to the wilderness. Number one, it's a place to pray. The wilderness is a place to pray. Look at Numbers 11 and go down to uh, verse number 11, uh, verse 10. We read this before. It says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly kindled. Moses was also displeased. And Moses said unto who? The Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord. It didn't say Moses said unto Aaron. Or Moses said unto Joshua. Or even that Moses said unto his sister Miriam. Or Moses said unto himself. The Bible says that Moses said unto the Lord. So when the burden became heavy... Moses said, God, we need to have a conversation. And so Moses went to the Lord. He started talking to God. He started to pray. Now, you would think that prayer is the obvious first step. That's what you would think. You would think that Christians don't be, uh, need to be reminded to pray. But I got news for you. We have to be reminded to pray. You know why? Because we don't pray. Oh, I pray. Do you really? Do you really pray? Or do you just mouth some words? You know, now I lay me down to sleep, a bag of peanuts at my feet. And if I die before I wake, you know I died of a stomach ache. I mean, that's the prayer. You know, dear Lord, bless this food. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Thanks for the meat. Let's eat. You know, I mean, really, that's the kind of prayer that most Christians are praying. Sometimes we have to be reminded to pray. You know, a lot of times what Christians do when they get into a time of trouble is they try everything else. They try every other scenario to, to work out the problem before they go to the Lord. They go to their best friend. They go to Dr. Phil. They go to the internet and do some research. They, they talk to their friends. They go, you know, they go to get some ice cream and sit and cry at the house. They go lock themselves in a room somewhere. They, they go hide and they worry and they fret. But they don't always pray. Sometimes prayer is the last thing they do. And as a matter of fact, maybe one of the reasons that you're there in the wilderness is because you haven't been praying to begin with. And God's saying, hey, you know, this, this guy's ignoring me. I need to get his attention. I need to put something in his life that he can't handle and maybe he'll come back to me. You know, it's a shame when, it, uh, when as a child of God, God has to do something like that to drive you back to him when you should have been doing it all along. You know, we live in a, we live in a society for the most part where everything is provided. 
you know, whatever you need is right down the street. You got the store, you got money, you got a couple cars, you got a nice house, you got a job. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of inflation, but you know, I'll just have one less steak a week. And, and sometimes we, when things are going well, we, we forget about God. And we don't have any troubles, so why do I have to talk to God? But God wants us to talk to him all the time. It's prayer that rescued Paul from that scenario that we talked about. Listen to this. Paul said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. And then he said, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust he will yet deliver us. But now listen to this. He's writing to the church at Corinth, and this is 2 Corinthians, and he says to them, ye also helping together by prayer for us, Amen. That, the, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given to many on our behalf. Sometimes the wilderness is a place where you can get alone to God and reconnect and pray. That's not, that's not so bad. Number two, here's the second thing. Sometimes the wilderness is a place where you meet God. It's a place where you meet God. David said this in Psalm 63, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Let me tell you something this morning. Based upon the promises of the Word of God and based on experiences in my own life, some of the sweetest times I've ever had with the Lord have been when I was going through the wilderness of despair. When all hope seemed to be gone, when the burden was too great to bear, I'd run to the Lord through tears and agony of spirit, and it was there that I met God. And the truth is, if it, if it were not for some of those tremendous burdens that I'd faced, I don't know, I would never have known that God could come through. Sometimes God puts you in the wilderness so you know that he could come through. Listen to this verse in Exodus. And it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. They're in the wilderness and there's God, the glory of God. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been overwhelmed by a situation that drove me to prayer. And I'd get down and I'd say, Lord, I need to hear from you. I, I need some help. And God would say, open your book Amen. and start reading it because I have something I want to tell you. And I'd open the book, and I'd pray, and the tears would drop through my fingers onto the pages. And as I began reading the book, sometimes a word or a phrase would just jump off the pages. And the Lord would grab a hold of my heart, and I'd say, wow, that's it. That's the answer. God is talking back to me through his word. And if it wouldn't have been for the trial and the trouble and the heartache and the burden, I would never have known that God was really that, really that real and know that God was there. One of the, one of the greatest times that you'll ever have in your Christian life
is when you're going through a time of trouble and despair and you go and you meet God. You meet God through his word. One more thing. The wilderness is a place where you might get a miracle. You might just get a miracle. Now take your Bible, go back to Numbers chapter 11. Look at verse 14. Here's that verse again. I'm not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. Now, let me show you two things that God did for Moses. Now, it's not the same in every situation, but a lot of these things are, are very similar. God has a lot of scenarios, and he has a lot of reasons for having you out there. And, and God comes through in different ways, ways. But sometimes, sometimes God does something like this. Look at verse number 16. Moses is done praying, by the way. And he's, and he's at a point, he says, Now, God, if you're not going to help me, just kill me. Just take me out of all this and spare me and, 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 and uh, save me from my misery. And look what God says in verse number 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me 70 men. Sometimes God will use other Christians to come to your rescue. Sometimes God will touch the heart of another brother or another sister and you might get a phone call and the phone call says, you know, you've been on my heart. I was thinking about you last night and I, I prayed for you. What, what do you need? What, what can I do to help? You know, one of the greatest gifts in the world is a Christian friend who comes to the rescue of a hurting brother or sister in Christ. One of the greatest benefits of being a part of a Bible-believing church like this is that there are other Bible-believing Christians who are going to come to help you when you have a time of need. There's nothing greater than knowing that you have a, a, have a good church that you're a part of. And by the way, if you are in this church and you're a member and you see a brother in need and you don't try to help them, shame on you. The Bible says, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have a need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? You call yourself a Christian and you claim to love people and yet you know somebody has a need and you don't help them? Why? Because you're too busy? Because you got other things? Because I have problems of my own? Shame on you. Sometimes God calls us to do that. The church should be known for the way it supports others in time of need. Now, I happen to think this church is that. I, I, I happen to think that. You know, how many churches, how many churches can come to the end of a missions conference like we did last week and give checks out for $22,000 to help missionaries? Ten for this and five for this and two for that. And by the time it's all done, our church has enough money to just write checks to help our missionaries in need. You know what a blessing it is to be a part of a church that God has blessed financially to the point where we can just give missionaries checks that have needs? Those missionaries don't have that money. They don't know where they're going to get it. And sometimes God uses people like you and me and, and our church to be generous and to give. It's one of the ways that we can help missions. You know, 
We need to pray for one another. We need to lift one another up. We need to constantly be praying for our pastor. We need to constantly be praying for his family. Amen. The devil would like to sift them as wheat and destroy their ministry. We need to lift up our Sunday school teachers and our children's workers and our nursery workers. We need to lift them up in prayer. We need to, we need to reach out to these young people that gave us a blessing this morning and sang and played. We need to be examples to them and encourage them. A lot of young people go through the church and they, they, they feel like, oh, there's a bunch of rules and I can't do this and I can't do that. And then when the time comes, they, they say, I'm going to go find out what it's all about. And they quit and they go out into the world. And what ends up happening is the devil gets a hold of them and destroys them. And then sometimes they don't come back. And what our young people need to be aware of is that there really isn't anything out there. Some of us have, have seen it, Amen. and some of us have been through it, and, and, and there's, there's nothing out there. Amen. Trust me, young person, the very best that God has is right here in the church. There's nothing out there in the world that's going to do any good for you or help you. Right. And, uh, and as adults in the church, we need to pray for our young people. We need to reach out to the elderly saints that have physical limitations and do things for them. And so... In Moses' case, God had 70 men reserved to stand with Moses. Look at verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. God says, I'm not going to have you bear it alone. I've got 70 men, and they're going to be right there, and they're going to stand by you, and they're going to help you to get through this. Everything's going to be okay. Um, you know, we need men that will say, I'm going to stand by the pastor, and I'm going to be there for him, and if he needs something, I'm going to help him. We need women that would go to the pastor's wife and be willing to love her and share the, her burdens and be able to pray for her. You know, that's part of what a church is supposed to do. Those are the things that we do. And, and I think we have a wonderful church, and I see that happening all the time, but I think it could happen more. But sometimes God uses another Christian to go into the life of a person that's hurting and help, and help them. You should, you should have a desire to be that person. You should be willing to, to be that person. Now, there's a second thing that God did to lift the burden of Moses. Look it down at, at verse number 21. Numbers 11, 21. Watch this. And Moses said, now he's talking to the Lord again. He says, the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. It's a pretty big crowd. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. God had previously told Moses, he says, all right, he says, I'm going to feed them. There's going to be some other things that are going to happen, but I'm going to feed them. I'm going to give them enough flesh to eat for an entire month. And so Moses says, well, shall the flocks and herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And I love what the Lord says to Moses. He just says this very simple sentence. Is the Lord's hand waxed short? He said, sit back. He said, just watch. You're going to see what I'm going to do. You know, Moses telling God, he says, you want me to get up and make an announcement to all the people 
Let me get on the intercom. Hello, everybody. Attention, everybody. Attention. <laughs> By this time tomorrow, you're going to be eating real flesh. Not manna. You're going to be eating real flesh. How in the world is that going to happen, God? Are, are we supposed to go out and kill all the flocks and the herds and have a big barbecue tomorrow? Is that what you want us to do? Or you want us to all get our fishing pole and go down to the sea and go fishing? All the fish in the sea isn't going to satisfy all these people. And, and God says, hey, hey, Moses, you don't think I can do what I say I'm going to do? You just sit back and watch. You see what's going to happen. Is the Lord's hand waxed short? You don't think what, I have what it takes to feed this crowd? You just sit back. You know, go to verse number 31. Watch what God does. There went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. A cubit is uh, about 18 inches, so about 36 inches, about a yard deep, completely surrounding the camp all the way around of quail quail meat good eating that's what some say I've never had it but I hear it's pretty good kind of like chicken everything tastes like chicken <laughs> alligator tastes like chicken turtles taste like everything tastes like chicken except steak steak tastes like steak all right let's get back to the story here and so it says in verse 31 verse 32 and the people stood up all that day and all that night, and all the next day, and they gathered the quails, and he that gathereth least gathered ten homers, and they spread them abroad for themselves round about the camp. Now stop there for a minute. When you are in a situation in your life where you say, I, I can't make it one more day, God's going to come through. If, if you will... If you, will do what, if you will do what God wants you to do and you'll be obedient to the word of God, God's going to come through and you're going to see a miracle. Here's the thing. It took two days to gather the quail. And the people said, God said, I'm not going to give you just one day. I'm not going to give you two days. I'm not going to give you five days or ten days. I'm going to give you quail for a whole month. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you so much quail, you're going to get sick of it and it's going to come out your nostrils. God has a great sense of humor. He says, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out your nose. Well, the reason he did that, and this is a totally different lesson, is because of their griping and complaining. God said, you know what? I'm going to give you what you want, and then I'm going to give you a whipping on top of it. And a lot of people died as a result of it, but that's a different thing. But let me give you some encouragement as a child of God. You have a heavenly father that knows exactly what your needs are. You have a heavenly father who has... The ability to handle any problem, there's no problem too big that he can't handle. He said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer to that is no. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. He knows how you need it. He knows the exact right way to deliver on what your need is. And if you will ask him, now listen, if you will ask him, if you will obey him, 
if you will walk by faith and do your best to please him, I promise you that God will never let you down. Even when you're in your darkest moment, even when you're in that pit of despair, God will come through. He's not going to let you down. Do you think the burden is too great? Is the load too heavy to bear? You about to go under? Take your Bible and turn to this last verse. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 2 and then we're going to close. Deuteronomy chapter 2. I want, if you have a Bible, I want you to look at this. I'm not going to read it. We're going to read it together. I'm going to read it and you're going to look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 2. What a wonderful verse. Look at verse number 7. You got it? Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 7. I see a couple people nodding their heads. Okay, a couple more. All right, now watch. Deuteronomy 2.7. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. What's the wilderness? There's no resources. It's uninhabited. There's, it's the place where you have to depend on the Lord. It's the wilderness. And yet, here are the children of Israel. 600,000 footmen plus wives and kids. Millions of people out there. Not one single stater brothers in sight. And yet... For 40 years, they did not lack one single thing. Now, listen to me. If you're not in that position, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for a break. If you're in that situation right now, God's going to come through. I promise. You go to the Lord. If you haven't seen that situation for a while, maybe you're going to hit it. I want you to think back and remember the words of the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. There's no burden that you can't handle. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will, with the temptation, make a way to escape that we may be able to bear. Amen?